morning, Rock Church. How are you guys doing? Everybody good? All right, that was weak, but I'm going to keep rolling. Uh, I do want to take a second and welcome everybody that's joining us online. Uh, we're glad you guys are here. You're part of our church family. Uh, we're in part four of a four-part series called Reply All, where we are replying to your top four most asked questions that were from a survey that we gave you guys back at Easter. So we're wrapping it up today, and I have loved this series. Uh, We've gotten practical answers to questions that you guys asked us, which I I always love to get feedback. Um, If you know me at all, I'm always asking for feedback. That doesn't mean all of you guys email me tomorrow, okay? But I am always asking for feedback. And so I love that you guys gave us questions, and we're like, okay, let's answer those questions. Um, I love Pastor Kirk has answered questions about how do I forgive Uh, Last week, he brought it with a message on how to have a godly family. It was a great message. Um, I love Psalms 119. I want to read you a verse as we're kind of wrapping up the series and kind of give you some closing thoughts before we move on to our next series. But Psalms 119, verse 4, it says, God, your covenant laws, your word, the Bible, says it is my delight. I love scripture. I love that our pastor loves scripture. And it goes on to say, your word gives me wise advice. And so that's really what we've tried to pull on this whole series. Like, you guys asked questions, we got in scripture, and we found wise advice. But listen, it doesn't just stop on Sunday mornings. So I want you to hear my heart. That's why it is crucial for you to have some time in your life where you sit down, and you get your Bible, and you look for the advice that God is trying to give you. Like, get a reading plan for Scripture. Like, I've, I've talked to, I've, I started in student ministries, and I remember so many students would say, that book is too big to read. Like, I don't even know where to start. Well, let me just tell you, it's actually not a book. Think of it more like a library that has 66 different books. So that kind of gives you a little more perspective. But I would say get a reading plan that will get you on task and reading through Scripture. I'm going to throw a, a link up here. Could you throw that So if you go to our website, or you can take a picture of this, but if you go to our website and just click on Bible, this link will take you to a web page that has a bunch of different reading plans. Me personally, whenever my firstborn was born, he's 12 now, I I made the decision. I was like, I'm going to read through the whole Bible. I had never done it. I'd been following Jesus. I got saved. Well, I started following Jesus, really following him at 18. I gave my heart to him at eight, but you know, High school happens, right? And then uh, high school students follow Jesus now, not later. But at the age of 18, I said, this is my faith. I'm going to follow God. At the age of 27, I said, I want to read the whole Bible. And so I got on what's called the one-year reading plan. It's at this website, and you'll see it. I love it. It gives me a little bit of the Old Testament, which is before Jesus. It gives me a little bit of the New Testament, which is Jesus. It gives me a psalm, which is a worship and then it gives me a proverb, which is just a little, little wisdom for the day. I am a very slow reader. It takes me about 20 minutes because I am a very slow reader. But let's say you don't have 20 minutes. There are thousands of plans on this webpage. Like if you want to read through one book of the Bible, you can look for a plan on there and it'll get you on plan to read one book of the Bible in a month or a week. Um, if you want to look for a topic, like I'm dealing with, I need to know what the Bible says about anxiety or parenting, or if you want a reading plan for your kids. Guys, listen, get a reading plan so that it helps you as you navigate through finding the wise advice in Scripture. And then you might say, well, Jay, I don't have a Bible. It just so happens I have a Bible for you. 
We give out these Bibles weekly. Uh, these are completely free. Actually, you've already paid for them with your giving. <laughs> so thank you so much for, for your faithfulness in giving because this enables us to give out Bibles. So if you don't have a Bible, let me give you a Bible today. Go to the website, get a reading plan. And, and as we're leaving this series of replying to questions that we have, that doesn't mean we leave script, uh, Scripture. We should constantly come back to Scripture because it gives us wise advice. And so the question that we're answering today, I think it's perfect to answer this question as we're wrapping up Reply All, is the question of, how do I find God's plan for my life? How do I find God's plan for my life? And then next week, I love Pastor Kirk. He's actually, he's really pushed in me a lot, this, this idea of making sure that you, you read scripture daily. He's really kind of promoted that in my life as he's mentored me over the years. And next week, you guys might not have picked up on this, but he wants to be teaching you guys through books of the Bible. That's why we've been doing it for the past year. We've gone through Timothy and through Titus and through John's epistles. And next week, we're going to start the book of Colossians for the month of November. And then we get to our Christmas series, which it's coming. I love Christmas. Has anybody watched a Christmas movie yet? Anybody? I'm with you guys. I'm right there. And I will say unashamed, it was a Hallmark movie, people. And I don't even care, right? No, but I actually, uh, I, just thinking about it, I love, I love the holidays. We've already got, you know, our Thanksgiving decorations are up and we're ready to go. Uh, but I want to show you guys our Christmas series graphic because it just makes me feel all toasty and eggnoggy. So throw the, throw the graphic up. So this is our, our series this Christmas is Goodwill Towards Men. I don't know if you've picked up on it, but our heart this holiday season is goodwill towards people. Like if we love God, we have to love people. We'll talk more about that today. But goodwill towards men, that's why as a church, Pastor Brian talked about it, we showed you a video, that's why we're doing Operation Christmas Child, because our heart is let's meet some practical needs, and then let's meet the actual need, which is Jesus. But you got to meet the practical need first, right? Like I heard a pastor say, connect, and then bring the truth, connect first. So that's, that's what Operation Christmas Child is. I have been asked uh, to remind you guys, even though Pastor Brian said it, hear it over and over. Your FAQs are in your worship guide for how to pack a box, when to bring the box. It's the weekend of the 17th. Our hope is to have thousands of boxes on stage that Pastor Kirk is going to pray over, and then we're going to take them and ship them out just to bless goodwill towards men. And then also this holiday season, this whole idea, uh, this campus for the first time, we've partnered with the American Red Cross, and in this campus we're going to host a community blood drive so just this idea of loving people by serving people. So that's what's happening. That's what's coming. Next week we'll start in Colossians. But you guys want to know what is God's plan for your life? Because that was the question that was asked. And I want to answer it. I think when, when you hear the question, what is God's plan for my life? You probably heard this um, maybe from a youth pastor. I know I used it all the time when I was in student ministries. Or uh, maybe your grandma had it, had it stitched on a pillow or something, or your mom. And it's Jeremiah 29. This is like the number one verse when you start asking, what is God's plan for my life? And I want to read it to you. This is God, and he's talking to his children, which is us. So this is God talking to us. And he says, listen, I, I have plans for you. I know the plans I have for you. He says, they're good plans. I love this verse. Because when someone comes to me and they tell me things like, my mom said I was an accident, right? Or people have said I was a mistake, or, or you're not going anywhere. I can point to this verse and say, no, God has, 
straight up, didn't hide it. He said, hey, I have a plan for you. And so I hope you hear that today. God has a plan for you. But I also have a problem with this verse. Because this verse says, God knows the plan, but I don't. And that's the problem, right? Like, that's the question. Like, God, you know it, just tell me. I need to know what is your plan. And this is kind of a, a personal personal thing for me. I'm going to tell you a little bit about, a little bit of my story. Um, this, was, this has been kind of meditating on this. This is, let me just, let me just dive into the story. So if you were to ask me in college, I went to college in Cleveland, Tennessee, just outside of Chattanooga. I majored in math, not because I had aspirations of doing math. It was just easy for me. It, I, was, I was that one kid that math was easy for. And so I, I knew I needed a, a degree or felt like I needed a degree. So I majored in mathematics. But if you'd have asked me in college, what are you going to do? I would have told you I was going to be a rock star, honestly. Yeah, that's, I, I was going through college, college kid. I had a job classes, and then I played guitar. To date, I've been playing guitar. This Christmas will be 23 years. So in college, I was about, hmm, holy cow, college was that long ago. I'm not going to tell you when, but let's just say I was playing guitar for a while in college. I wrote music, started writing music in high school, and uh, so I booked shows Fridays, Saturdays. You're in Tennessee. You're in like, like that's prime real estate to try to dive into music, right? People move there to do that. So I started booking shows on the weekends. I got married, and I wanted a job. My wife still had two years. Ruth had two years, which, by the way, if you have ever seen me and then seen my wife, and you thought, how did that bald guy ever talk her into marrying him? Let's just say writing a love song never hurt nobody, all right? (laughs) But anyways, so I graduate college. I needed, Ruth had two years left in her degree. I needed a job that would hold this over while I was pursuing music. So I'm sitting at the cafe Um, on the university, I was working on my resume, and the local high school principal calls me, and he said, hey, I just got off with the dean of the School of Math and Science. It's about a month before school started. He said, we just had our, one of our math teachers retire, and I I need someone that can teach a high-level math class. I called them, and they recommended you. Would you be interested in taking a job as long as you get certified to teach? I'm like, sweet, guaranteed weekends off, guaranteed summers off, Music career, here I come, right? And so I took the job. It was a blessing. I went back and got a master's in education to get certified, but I took this job, and that's exactly how it happened. So Ruth is working on her degree. I start teaching. I book shows. Now, get this. You ready? I, I, I was teaching all day, Monday through Friday. Um, I led worship on Sundays. I led worship on Wednesdays, and then I booked shows on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Does that seem like a lot to anybody else? Yeah, I was never home, never. And whenever we first started, Ruth would come with me to my shows. And then she got pregnant. And I'll never forget, she was pregnant with our first kid. And she got, the first trimester was okay. About halfway through the second trimester, she stopped coming. Now we're into the third trimester, and I came home from a show. It was a late Friday night. And I walk in, and she's sitting there, and she just looks at me and says, I need you home. Like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. I need you home. And so obviously I had to keep paying bills, so I couldn't quit teaching because, you know, I have to pay bills. And I would be lying if I said it wasn't church, music, church. I'd be lying. So I went through this, like, and then I chose church, right? And I played my last couple shows, 
which don't be too impressed. You haven't even heard my CD, okay? Don't be too impressed with this. But so I played my last couple shows, and I hung up my guitar, and I never played a show after that. And that year, as I was preparing for this message, I found myself at a job that I didn't, nothing against teaching. My mom was a teacher. I taught for 13 years. I loved it until I, I said the only thing that will pull me out of public education is if I'm at a church that can hire me full-time. Here I am, right? I, lo- I grew in love with teaching, but um, I found myself at a job that I, I didn't want, I didn't pursue, and not able to do the things that I want. You understand what I'm saying? And that year, that was hard. That year after. In fact, looking back at it, I was talking to Ruth about it this week. I was never diagnosed, but kind of looking back at the way that I processed things, looking back at my thought life and, and how I would just, I would snap at, at anything. I would just snap. Um, I was a jerk, honest, for that year. And looking back at that, I would say that I struggled with, I was pretty deep struggling with depression for that year, just kind of working through. Like, and I'll never forget about six months into it, Thank God my wife is, is gracious and patient, and she walked through that with me. And thank God for, for God. Um, you know, God is, he's not scared. He's not scared of our tough questions. He's, he's not. He's not scared of our doubts, our fears, our hurts. He's not. He wants you to bring those to him. And I remember about six months in, finally Ruth looked at me and she said, what is wrong with you? She's like, something is off. Like you're snapping at, at every little thing. You just lose it. She's like, what's going on? And so I started kind of an inward search. And I remember driving to work. It was about a mile drive to work. So this was not a long conversation with God. But I remember driving to work after that. And I just, I laid it out. And I said, God, is this it? Like, I read that you have plans. Is this, and I was pointing at the school. I was like, is this your plan? Because it sure enough wasn't mine. And so, like, if this is your plan, you need to tell me so that I can settle in and just do nine to five until I retire. That's what I need to know right now. And I would say that in that moment of honesty with myself and with God, that God started to work on my heart. And he's, my job didn't change for 11 more years. I stayed in public education. Like I said, I grew in love with it. My job didn't change, but my heart my heart began to change. And God started to reveal things with me. And I would be lying, guys, if I got up here and said, by the time I got to work, I was like, yeah! No, I was still a jerk, okay? But it was a process that God started to work in me through this, and that's what I want to try to convey to you. And the big idea is what I want to share with you right now. And if you take notes, this is in your notes. There's going to be a lot more up here than is in your notes. But the big idea that God has revealed to me about his plan that we read about is that God's plan for my life is more about who I am than what I do. God's plan for my life is more about who I am than what I do. Listen, listen to my heart. God's plan for your life is bigger than your job because your job will change. And God's plan has not changed for your life. God's plan for your life, students, it's bigger than eighth grade. Because hopefully, you'll eventually get out of eighth grade, right? 
God's plan for your life is bigger than the college you attend. Because those things, see, so many times when we hear God's plan for our life, we think destination. We think, oh, it's that. And God thinks, no, it's the journey. Like, I'm not at the destination waiting for you saying, welcome to the plan. No, I'm on the journey revealing the plan to you. It's more about who we are than what we actually do. And I'm convinced of this. This is, this is the, the thing that I walked away from this whole heart journey with. God's plan happens in the everyday. And God's plan is what happens when I choose to live every day, set apart for him. My job doesn't have to change for that to happen. You guys understand what I'm saying? I don't even need a job for that to happen. God's plan is what happens when I choose to live every day set apart for him. You can do that at, at work, whether it's a new job or an old one. You can do that at home, whether you're with your family or alone. You can even do that on Union Street, stuck in construction traffic for two and a half years, right? <laughs> it's possible. Take every single day God, I want to know your plan. It's a good plan that I'm going to take today, and I'm going to live for you. It's that, it, it really is. It's not as complicated as we make it. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, Jay, that's awesome, but I need to know what college to go to. <laughs> right? I'm asking God, and I need to know. Or I, have, I actually met with a couple last week that the guy had a very lucrative job opportunity, and they were praying, like, God, what do you want us to do in this? And don't misunderstand what I'm saying. God cares about the details of your life. And he wants to walk you through that decision because he cares, but his plan for your life. In fact, I would say, we, we preached a sermon this year, uh, it was probably, maybe within this year, it might have been at the end of last year, but we preached a sermon on how to find God's will in a specific situation. Like, should I marry this person? I don't know what to do, God, what do you want me to do? Or should I buy this house or that one? Like, specific big life situations we preached a sermon on how to find God's will in specific situations. And if you're here and you have a situation that you're seeking God's face to find his will and direction in, actually go to that next slide. You can text God's will to 97,000 and we'll send you the link to that sermon, how to find God's will in a specific situation. But let me just set your mind at ease before you, if this is you, I would encourage you, do that. Like seek God's will for that situation. But let me just set your mind at ease before you leave here and listen to that message. If you find yourself in a big life situation and you make the decision and you miss it, actually, let me change the if. When you make the decision and you miss it, because there will be times that you make the decision and you think it was right. There have been times for me that I'm like, God told me to do this, and I look back and I'm like, oh, that wasn't God at all, <laughs> right? So when you make those decisions and you miss it, listen. If you choose to take every day and live it set apart for him, it's going to be okay. Romans chapter 8 says this. Go to the next slide. It says, we know that all that happens, whether it's a new job or an old one, whether it's my fault or theirs, whether it was the right decision or the wrong decision, all that happens is working for our good. So listen, if you find yourself at one of those big life decisions, should we have kids right now or wait? Like whatever that is for you. Just let me set your mind at ease. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay. Seek God. Go listen to that message. Seek God. 
but live today set apart for him. And so here's, here's what I want to I share with you through that heart process for me. God really began to work four truths into my life. And here's what's, here's what's really cool. As he worked those four truths into my life, like this was back in Tennessee, before I ever even thought about coming to Maine. Then I moved to Maine, start coming to this church. These four truths are actually the core values of your church. So I'm actually going to teach you, you're going to learn two things. How to, how to live a set-apart life that follows God's plan, but I'm also going to teach you the core values of your church. Okay? And the first one's actually in this verse. I'm going to highlight it. We know that all that happens is working for our... Have you guys ever heard somebody say that? Like they lose their job or something and they go, well, all things work together for the good. Anybody ever heard that? Just me? Okay, a couple of you. I'm not alone. Whew. It's, like, it's like high school all over again. I'm finding myself alone. It's Friday night, nothing... Anyways, okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, we know that that's not true, right? How many of you guys have seen somebody and you look at or you've experienced it and you look at it and you're like, that didn't work out for nobody's good, right? That's not what this verse says. This verse says that all things that happen will work out for the good, what? If you love God. If you love God. So you want to know how to live this set-apart life? Do you want to know how to set yourself in God's plan? It's not find the right job. Go to the next slide. It's take every day and live it to love God. Every single day. My vocation doesn't need to change for that. Right? In fact, your vocation, hear me on this, your vocation does not imply that you are in or not in God's plan because it starts with loving God. That has nothing to do with your job. Simple example. I have known many pastors that somewhere along the way, they fell more in love with ministry than Jesus. And how many of y'all would agree that person is no longer in God's plan? I don't care whether they're a pastor or not. Your vocation, that's not me saying this. Jesus actually says this to the church in Revelation. I would like to read this to you. Revelation says, I know what you're doing. Like, you're doing good things. He says, you have a hard work ethic. Like, people know you're a hard worker. You, you are patient you don't tolerate evil. You have nothing to do with it. Go to the next slide. It says, you examine the claims of those who claim to be Christians. Like, you don't just listen to preachers and say, oh, wow, that's, that's Jesus. No, you actually listen to them. You check scripture, and you make sure they're lining up. And when they're not lining up, you say, that's not truth. Like, you're doing good things. Jesus says, but I do have an issue. I do have an issue. Go to the next slide. He says, you're enduring suffering? Like, you're doing the right things? He said, but here's the problem. You're not in my plan because you don't love me. Like, somewhere along the way, you fell more in love with being a Christian than me. <laughs> you want to know how to live a life in the good plan that God has for you? Then take today and say, God, today, I'm going to fall more in love with you than I was yesterday. It's that simple. And it might sound weird, but it's not weird. Listen, you were designed, like the way that you develop a relationship with someone else, that's, that's a design because that's how God wants to have a relationship with you. So spend time with God. Maybe shut off the distractions and try to hear if he has anything to say. Maybe tell him what's on your heart. That's how you fall in love with God. The same way you fall in love with anyone. Be intentional about it. This might sound kind of funny, 
But when was the last time you took Jesus on a date? Right? Like, what's that song that's like, that's an inside song between you and Jesus? That's a song nobody else knows why that connects me to God, but God knows. When was the last time you played that song when nobody else was in the room, and you sat down with your Bible and said, ain't nobody going to distract me from you right now, because I love you that much? Like, take today and love God. Matthew chapter 22 they come up to Jesus and they say, they say, what's the most important thing? Like if you were to take all of the Bible, all 66 books, what's the most important thing? You guys know what Jesus says? Go to the next slide. He looks at him and says, oh, that's simple. He doesn't even hesitate. He says, love God. Start there. If you hear nothing else today, if you want to live a life following God's plan, take today and say, God, I'm going to love you today. But that actually, this right here, Jesus, see, the more that I love God, the more that I realize I have to love the people he loves. And so Jesus actually feeds into the next principle here. He goes on and he says, but wait, don't stop. Like, love God with all you are. Love God on your job, at your house, with your friends, alone. Love God with all you are. He says, but don't stop there. He says, there's a second one that's just as important. Because if you say you love God, you have to love people. So love people. Love people. Love people. Love people. Can you hear the heart of a father, right? Like the heart of a dad that says, hey, if you, if you love me, then take care of my boy, right? If you love me, take care of my daughter. Love. In fact, the Bible's pretty black and white about this issue. First John chapter 4, if anyone doesn't actually love someone, then they don't even know me. It's, it's that simple. It's quiet. <laughs> Come on, guys, right? Now, don't be weird, right? I went on mission looking for people to love, but that doesn't mean that I went to work and I'm like, hey, I love you guys. No, there are enough weird people out there we don't need to add to the mix, okay? (laughs) Right? No, like Jesus makes it pretty simple. And the principle here is I'm going to love God, take every day, and I'm going to live it to love God. The second principle, go to that slide, is I'm going to take every day and I'm going to live it to love people. Regardless of my vocation, I'm going to love people. And so I would go to work with a radar kicked on. Who can I love today? Like who, who can I show them how much their creator cares about today? And it's not deep. It doesn't have to be. Look, Jesus actually gives us a good example. Mark chapter, chapter 11. That's actually the wrong reference. It's Mark chapter 10. Sorry, if you want to make that, make that change. Uh, he says, you know the rulers in this world lord it over their people. And officials flaunt, have we ever worked for these bosses? Right? I have. I'm not going to tell you which one because I don't know if they're in here or not, but I have, right? And I'm not talking about Pastor Kirk, okay? Let's just get that clear. He says, officials flaunt their authority over those under them, but it needs to be different among you. Like it has to be, it should be. Go to the next verse. It says, whoever wants to be a leader, if you want to lead people to Jesus, you don't have to preach to them. Whoever wants to be a leader needs to be a servant. That's how you love people. It's that simple. I can do that. I can do that as a teacher. I couldn't go to to my job as an educator and say, hey, all y'all need Jesus, because I would have gotten fired, and I would have looked, I would have given Christianity a bad name, honestly. But I can love people. I can serve them. It's that simple. You want to know how to love people at your job? Simple example. 
Go to True Orgies. Get you a dozen of them apple donuts. Come on, Jesus, right? <laughs> Go to work and drop them on the desk tomorrow morning. Monday morning, everybody's dragging. Be like, what's up? <laughs> right? A taste of heaven for all y'all, right? That's loving people. It, uh, listen, you, I love Pastor Chris Hodges. He's a pastor at a church that I, I have several pastors that I try to listen to during my, my day off. Like I go to church because this is a work day for me, right? So I have a day off where I go to church and I listen to pastors, Pastor Kirk being one of them. Chris Hodges is another one of those pastors. And he says, we need to realize that our vocation is a ministry location. You are a minister. You know what a minister is? It's someone who administers to the need. It's that simple. You are a minister. And your coworker needs Jesus. So go to work on mission, right? Like, God might not call you to Haiti, but he might call you to your coworker. You guys understand what I'm saying? People love, love people. Serve people. You were designed by God to make a difference in the life of your coworker. You were designed by God to make a difference in the life of someone. There is something, in fact, in Romans chapter 12, it says this, we are many parts of one body and we belong to each other. I hope you hear me. You need a church body. I could preach that, but I'm not going to. But you belong in a church body. He goes on, he says, God has given us all different gifts. Listen to my heart. There is something that only you bring to the table. There is a gift that is in you that only you bring. And God, God put that there for a reason. That is what growth track is all about, guys. Like if you've been here for longer than two months, you've heard us announce growth track so many times that you're like, shut up, right? We won't because this is our heart. We believe that every single person is designed by God with a gift. And we do not want it to be said of anyone in our church, I don't know what that gift is. Growth track is designed, like it's two weeks, first two weeks of every month. The first week, you watch a video of Pastor Kirk, and he just answers questions that most people ask about our church. And then, the first week, after we watch that video, we take a personality profile, we take a giftings profile, because we don't want you to read this verse and say, well, I don't know what mine is. No, we want to help you find it. I went through growth track here when I was a teacher. And I found out that I was gifted in teaching, but also that I was gifted in harmony. Like I could go into tense situations where both people were button heads and I could resolve the issue. And so boy, I went on mission. Once I knew that was my gift, mm, I'm going on mission and I'm going to use that gift for Jesus Christ. The second week of growth track, we say, hey, now that you know your gifts, if you want to use them in your church, because... We're the church, not the building. So if you want to be a part of the church here and you want to use that gift, we will introduce you to every single team leader. Like the greeters. If you have a gift of hospitality, we want you on the greeter team, right? We don't want someone at the door that's like, hey, welcome to the rock. Here's your bulletin, right? No, you want somebody that's got the gift of welcoming people. And greeters, I hope that you hear my heart. Listen, greeters, if you serve on the greeter team, you are the face of this church when people get here. And one of the biggest things that guests say about our church is, man, I felt so welcome. That's you. So I want to say thank you, greeter team, because you are taking your gift and you're using it in your church. But don't stop there. Like, take whatever gift that you have, and don't just use it at church. You should use it at your church, but also use it at your work. You guys understand what I'm saying? You have a gift. Use it to make 
a difference in the life of someone else. And I love that he says, hey, once you know what your gift is, he says, do it poorly. (laughs) No. If you go over to our TRC kids, you see that those people are gifted in loving kids and they do it well. Do it well. Do it well. You flip that switch. Wait, you're telling me that when I go to work, I'm not working for my paycheck? No. Actually, Colossians chapter 3 says totally different. It says, why don't you try thinking about it like this? Whatever your job, do it willingly because you're working for Jesus. Once you get that, 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 that mental switch, I'm not working for a career, mm, I'm working for an eternity. Like, I'm not working for the paycheck, I'm working to invest in eternity. Man, that makes it to where I, I do a totally different, I up the level of excellence at work because I realize who my boss really is. I, I, I like to say it like this, if you work for your career, it will give you something to live on. You'll make a good living. You'll probably retire comfortably. If you work for your creator, that will give you something to live for. Do you see the difference? Like you have that, that shift. So that means on the days when my boss is nice to me, awesome, I'm going to do the best job I can. That also means on the days when my boss, let's just say he's not so nice to me. Okay, I'm going to do the best job that I can. In fact, that's the principle. I will take today, regardless of whatever I put my hand to, whatever my career, I will take today, go to the next slide, and I will do the best job that I can because I am working for my Savior. You understand what I'm saying? Yes? No? No. Okay, awesome. Well, I'm just going to move on then, okay? We started this. I'm going to remind you. This is the big idea. God's plan for your life is more about who you are than what you do. Before I give you the last principle, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about Christians, people who believe we have a creator, believe that we're created. We read verses like in Romans chapter 12 that says, I've been given a gift, but we're not sure what it is. And we feel like God's plan. We took a detour somewhere, and like God's plan is over there, and I must have missed it. I've made too many mistakes to be on God's plan. Or maybe we're discouraged because we thought God's plan was a location. It was a destination, and we got to that destination. We achieved our career goals, and we got there, and we found out they're not as fulfilling as we thought they would be. And you find Christians that are discouraged, depressed, like broken, without hope, God's plan is more about your heart than anything else. And he looks at your heart before he ever looks at what you do. And when we're talking about the heart, let me, let me read what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, listen, you can serve God whether people honor you or not. He says, whether they slander you or they talk good about you. He says, you can be honest even if they talk trash about you. It says, you can be ignored, even that they know, this happened to me guys so much, this right here. Once, especially in like the higher levels of education, like they feel like they've, 
there were many instances where the people I was in the room with felt like they had learned enough that they, did not, they no longer needed God and like I would be completely discounted. Go to the next slide. It says, close to death, but I'm still kicking. It says, I've been beaten, maybe verbally, maybe physically, maybe financially. It says, but it hasn't taken me out of this. And here's what I want you to see. My heart can be broken. And like I can come to this place of like, God, I feel so, I, I don't even know what your plan is. Like, I don't know what's going on with all these people. There, all this stuff that's happening at my job or I don't, I don't. God, I'm going to take my heart and I'm going to choose today to love you in the midst of all of this. And I'm going to choose today to look for someone to serve. Even when they're talking trash about me, I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to do the best job that I can, Lord. And even in the midst of a broken situation, I can still have joy. Joy is dangerous. Nehemiah chapter 8 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. Two things. One, your joy is not in your situation. Your joy is in your creator. And that never changes. Two, it's your strength. If, I, if you have an enemy... The minute you put on the mantle of Jesus Christ, I will follow Christ. Man, you put a bullseye on and you have an enemy. And if he wants to get you weak, he doesn't have to full front attack you. He needs to steal your joy. It is that simple. Which is why I think you see an epidemic in America of no joy. And this can be your prayer in the midst of that. Go to that next slide. This is your principle. Take today and say, God, I will choose joy, not in my circumstances, in my Savior. I will choose joy. And you want to know when that means the most? When it's the hardest. But I will take today, Lord, and I will choose joy in you. And I want to pray this prayer over you as we close this. Psalms 51. I want to pray that God would restore your joy. Not in your career, not in your situation, in your Savior. And that, that restoration of joy would breathe like life into you. And you would be able to stand up tall and say, God, today I love you. Today I will love people. Today I will do the best that I can. Today I will joy in my Creator and nothing else. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for each person here. Lord, I pray this psalm over them, Lord Jesus, that you would restore joy. Lord, let it be like a breath of fresh air that we come before you empty, we come before you possibly broken. And Lord, you breathe life into us. Guys, let's make this our, our confession. Just under your breath to God, say, God, I will take today to love you. I will take today to love people. Maybe there's someone he's putting on your heart that you know I need to text that person after service. God, I will take where I am and do the best that I can. Maybe you need to repent because of some stuff that's been going on at work. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have a plan for our lives and that it's a good plan. 
Help us to follow you each and every day. You know, maybe you're here and you've never made that heart decision to follow God. If that's you, I want to challenge you and encourage you to make that heart decision because God has a plan for your life and it starts with the decision of the heart that says, Jesus, I put my trust in you. Please forgive my past and take my future. Lord, I, I, I lift this whole congregation up to you, Lord, each of us, that you would restore joy. In Jesus' name, amen.